This is BTS with CTV Behind the Scenes, Behind the Stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver Newsroom. My name is Penny Daflas and I'll be your guide behind the curtain, which has us talking about some of our field crew's most unforgettable stories on the job, specifically the smelliest, most nasally repugnant assignments of our careers. It was awful. For example, huge crowds recently turned out to inhale the emanations of the notorious corpse flower. It's definitely a hit to the nose, and it's something that just stays there. It's someone who hasn't cleaned their garbage out for a long time. The putrid six-foot bloom was dubbed Uncle Fester for good reason. To me, it smells like stinky socks. Like hot gym socks stuck in a car for a 31 degree day. But Fester is just the start when it comes to unpleasant odors. Rancid butter and rancid food and stuff like that. Some stenches can drift strong and nauseatingly over dozens of kilometers. Like the funky farm fragrances over downtown Vancouver in the spring. It was very strong in the lobby and then as soon as you got outside it was even stronger. Gross. Very gross. Best described as... Smelled like either dog poo or human poo. I don't know, but it was bad. Sometimes those smells are newsworthy because they're so close to homes. It's just like a dead skunk. If you ever go along the road and somebody's run over a skunk, that's what it smells like. Nosy reporters sometimes have to track those terrible emanations to their source. It's basically uh, smells like uh, rotted fish. The smell of tens of thousands of tons of composting food waste next door. When we arrive at home, uh, kids have to hold the bread from the car and run to their house. Sometimes paying the price. Both the photographer and myself actually collapsed um, and threw up because of the smell. We're going to get into some of the numbers and science behind the stenches we report on for our viewers. But first, a few stories from my colleagues. Let's start with Ellie Hurst because you walked past the lineups and got a first-hand whiff of that very famous corpse flower. What was it like smelling that horrendous thing? It was kind of funny um, because we got there before anyone else was going to be allowed to go in. So um, and they had all been saying the stench is going to be at its peak at seven o'clock in the morning, which was opening time. Um, So we got to go in for our first uh, live hit for 630. And when they opened the door, it was like getting hit in the face with a men's gym like a teenaged man's gym locker with like old she- like soccer shoes and um, sweaty clothes like it was horrible and all I could think was how am I going to ke- keep my composure to do a live hit when I can taste it like oh. you could taste the smell it was so strong and so we, we, and you know, the, the, they say, so come on in and you can set up closer to the flower. So as you're walking towards it, I was just thinking like, I, this is getting stronger and stronger. You know, your eyes start to water. It was just, it was so strong. Unbelievable. And different people have described the smell differently. And I wonder, is it because it has different associations for different people? Or is it just the time of day that you catch it? Because apparently the smell can, you know, get stronger and weaker. I, I, I just wonder, because some people are seeing dirty diapers and stuff. Yeah, we heard sewage was another one that a lot of people were compa- comparing it to. Um, you know, dog poop was another one. Everything, um, I think it is a lot to do with what you associated with. Um, they did also, the experts did tell us, that you know different times of the day depending on when there's a female flower around or a male flower it, it would 
give off more of a scent. Um, you know, rotting meat was another comparison that people used, which I think goes along with the sewage uh, one. So whatever really hit you for for me and for um, you know for Herb, the camera operator I was with, we were both thinking gym dirty boy gym clothes right away. Like that was what triggered it for us. And so you can taste the sweaty gym clothes, your eyes are watering. How did you go on the air and manage to report on something so pungent? <laughs> well, you, we did, to be honest, we did start to get a little bit more used to it, although to which is gross on its own. <laughs> a little scary. Um, you do start to get a bit more used to it. It was also, you know, everybody at the studio was kind of commenting on it. So it was a little bit more of a relaxed live hit to talk about. I could show the disgust on my face a bit more since that was the story. So that made it a bit easier. And I think, um, you know, once we started talking to people who, who had wanted to waited in line and wanted to come in for a whiff of it themselves, that really um, helped convey to people just how gross it was and I think it allowed you know me and and everyone working in there to relax and then of course by you know 10 o'clock or so the scent had really died down and people were saying they didn't smell anything I'm pretty sure I went home reeking of (laughs) the stuff I showered like immediately like just chucked my clothes in the wash like I just felt like I it was stuck to me but you know some were saying it wasn't that strong. So it really did fluctuate during the morning, for sure. And that's what I love about this story so much, is that most things that we report on that are really smelly, hoarder houses, rendering plants, all these terrible things, most people are like, oh, God, I'm glad I never have to smell that. But people were lining up to get this terrible stench. This was something that people really wanted to smell, and it was so interesting to see the level of excitement there was this little boy in line and he was just coughing like crazy and I was so nervous that he was just going to be sick all over the floor because the poor kid was just like trying to hide his face but you know when I when we talked to his dad it was like oh well we wanted to come this is this is a rare event this doesn't happen very often we really wanted to know if it would smell as bad as it had been that is it said it would so you know it was um it was a really interesting experience certainly a rare one I mean I I don't expect to be going to any more corpse flowers anytime soon I I don't know that I would have waited an hour to two um to smell it I think you could have gone down to the high school gym and and just gotten a whiff there or a laundry room and but uh it was it was really neat and and certainly one of my more memorable stories I've done in a while yeah Nafisa Kareem you have what may be the grossest story to tell us it's disgusting I did a story that I pitched myself so I made my bed and I had to lie in it or smell it uh it was a story a pilot project about the city installing dog waste bins in public parks so you've probably seen them they're those red plastic bins that you put your dog poo bags into once you have scooped your poop well it's actually someone's job to empty those bins and not only empty the bins but empty the bags of the poop now they cut the knot off the top of the bag and wait for it they squeeze the poo out into a bucket and then dump the bucket into a receptacle which then gets driven to a waste treatment facility on Iona Island and then that tank is emptied. So we actually interviewed the guy who has the unenviable job 
of doing this and we poor bastard i can't (laughs) they're paying him pretty well um but yeah that is his job and we interviewed him as he was emptying his truck of said poop at the poop plant or rather the iona waste treatment facility it was the stinkiest day i've ever had on the job and i couldn't complain about it because this guy has to do it every day so i i felt like a jerk thinking in my mind this is terrible but i mean this is this guy's bread and butter so yeah that's my stinky story and that's got that's one of those smells that it's you almost smell it after it's like stuck in your nostrils it was and then later we had to shoot an on-camera portion where i had to stand next to one of these bins and it was a hot summer day so there i am standing next to this bin opening the lid and closing it and i remember opening the lid and the smell just hit me and i almost got knocked off my feet so yeah never again will i pitch a story about dog poo Thanks for the crappy story, Nafisa. I know, it really stank, right? Julie Nolan, I want to bring you in. Thank you so much for being on BTS with CTV. Hi, so good to be here. You have, I guess it's kind of a series of stories to tell about uh, being overwhelmed by odors on the job. Yes, I've certainly had my fair share and uh, nothing here in BC, but previous to being here, I was a reporter in uh, Calgary and Edmonton and in Calgary and Edmonton both, I've done stories in my career where I covered hoarders, and one of those in particular was pretty bad. It was in the Kensington neighborhood of Calgary, um, pretty trendy little area um, comparable to, you know, say Mount Pleasant, and uh, a woman had been in a home for, you know, decades, and over the course of um, several years had acquired um, I think it was in the neighborhood of 60 cats and five or six dogs. And unbelievably, the police allowed us to go in, the camera person and I. And um, unfortunately, I was pregnant at the time. Oh, no. <laughs> and, um, you know, it didn't matter that I was six months pregnant um, and had a sort of a queasy sort of feeling anyway walking in. But the smell was so overwhelming because of the urine in the home and that ammonia smell was so rancid um, that both the photographer and myself actually collapsed um, and threw up because of the smell. Oh my god. And it actually made us I think back then more aware I mean this is like almost 20 years ago that we should have been wearing proper um, gear to go in and masks um, and I'm not sure looking back at h- how we weren't alerted to that um, but uh, following that I've done probably a handful of other stories on hoarding and it's made me really want to have more empathy around how these situations become so out of control. Well, how does a person live in an environment that makes an outsider pass out when they've been in there for a couple of minutes? I mean, that's, it's astonishing just to think about somebody living in those conditions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could understand why the neighbors were um, filing more complaints with all the officials they could. Um, it it really was quite... Um, unbelievable for me as a as a young reporter that this was this was 
the case for this this woman who was in her 50s and interestingly every case that I covered was also a female usually in her 50s or 60s and you know looking for purpose looking to save animals it was very much the same tale in all the stories that I covered and yeah you really wonder how could someone live like this well, and you've been on enough other stories where we get invited to people's homes to do stories on, on various different issues. And often we conduct, our viewers can see it, we conduct interviews in living rooms and kitchens where people live and they tell us their stories. Sometimes their stories about grief and loss. Other times their stories of injustice. I was recently on a story a couple months ago where a family invited us into their home and it was a lovely family, but again, they had a number of cats and the smell in this home from unemptied litter boxes and other uh, un- uncleaned messes, shall we say, in the home. I have a really sensitive sense of smell and we could, we could only last in there for about 20 minutes because I was queasy. So I can't even imagine dozens of animals there for God knows how long it must have been. I, I can't even imagine, Julie. I can't imagine. No, it was disgusting. Yeah, we get to see people's private lives. I love how people will say to us, you know, oh my goodness, I didn't clean my house before you came. And sometimes you wish that they did clean their house before you came. And usually though, those people who are saying, well, I wish I'd cleaned, it, it's like there's, you know, maybe a sweater thrown over the couch. It's usually not an issue. It's usually not dozens of cats and, and their refuse left behind. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, there are those odd occasions and it's not very often where you know, really, we didn't need to peel back the curtain to see what was there. Reporter Ben Milger joins me now, and you've got an example from your time reporting in Winnipeg. Uh, that's right. I spent three years reporting in Winnipeg earlier in my career, uh, and there's one particular Winnipeg, uh, neighborhood in Winnipeg called Lindenwoods, uh, which is built actually almost directly across the street from an industrial composting facility. Uh, and over the years, neighbors would complain to the city, and they began to take petitions and to record certain times when the smell was really bad and uh, gather some data that they could present to the city about uh, this smell, hoping that the city would take action. Um, and I remember being out there hearing stories from people about how they would be having backyard barbecues or birthdays, uh, and suddenly the wind would shift uh, and people would just be wretchedly sick because this smell was so overwhelming. Uh, and I actually did smell it, uh, probably not as bad as uh, some other people had to deal with, uh, of course, those who lived there and dealt with it on a near daily basis. But I remember being there live for a report at six o'clock and uh, just the smell. And even after I left the area and uh, we were driving back to the station, it lingers in your nostrils uh, and it it can be overwhelming. Uh, So I sympathize with people who live too close to industrial composting facilities. So then what's your personal technique to try to convey that? Because we can convey a lot of things through television, but smell isn't one of them. So what's your technique to try to convey to people how bad something is or how, um, you know, what that smell is like? Uh, that's a real challenge. Uh, I think that all you can really do is provide the anecdotal experience of other people. In this case, they had a lot of data to back it up. Uh, and then they had their anecdotal experience about uh, times that they had to uh, close down their uh, barbecues or parties or even leave and go stay with a relative uh, for a few days because it was just so overwhelming. Particularly, you can imagine in Winnipeg where the summers can be so stiflingly hot. Uh, you combine that with uh, rotting compost and it's a recipe for 
a really bad smell. Well, and I think some people in East Vancouver can sympathize because I remember doing a story a few years ago. There was a rendering plant and there were some issues with filtration or whatever it was that was going on. And it was a really hot day. And we went there to see how bad it was because there was a business that was considering shutting down because they couldn't conduct. How do you have a coffee shop when all you're smelling is this terrible thing? And so we drove around to see how far away from this rendering plant we could smell it. And then I got to tell you, right next to the cafe, it smelled like burnt feathers and chicken bones which is basically what they were doing at this plant it was uh, they were rendering animal products and you could really understand but it is really hard to express that to people we've all smelled terrible things but sometimes there's just a uniqueness there that is hard to convey maybe uh next time i do something uh, a story with a similar uh, 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 reason for doing this story maybe i'll just tell people if uh, you want to know how it smells come down here and check it out for yourself and this is one of the sacrifices we make for our viewers is putting up with the smell so that they don't have to <laughs> that's right I'm going to bring in John Woodward now, but John, before we get to your actual sciencing of the smell, uh, people may remember a couple months ago there was a, a bit of an incident where people could smell raw sewage, this terrible smell in downtown Vancouver, and everyone was, was wondering what was going on. We got some information from Metro Vancouver. It turned out that uh, the fields were being fertilized on a very hot day. And so euphemistic. They were spreading poo on the field. That's, yes. right. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what they were doing. And so, and that happened at the same time that composting facilities had heated up. It was like a heat wave of a couple of days. I got to use the poop emoji on a map. It was like a career <laughs> milestone for me, and the graphics department was very excited. But on a previous story, you have actually delved into the numbers of the stinkiest communities. And, and I got to say, uh, you were the first person in the newsroom to discover that there is uh, there is a small team whose job it is to... Um, put their noses uh, to the grindstone, as it were, and <laughs> and figure out how intense smells are, what kind of smells they're looking at, and then plot them on a map. I did not know such a terrible job description existed. There is a whole team of this at Metro Vancouver, and this is what they do all the time. They get complaints from people in the public, and whatever it is, it stinks near my house. you got to go investigate it. And they're the guys that go down and take a big whiff in the air and say, aha, you know what that is? That's compost. That's this. That's that. They they have either the finest trained nose in the business or just a, a really poor career choice. Whatever they're getting paid, I'm just going to say right now, it's not enough. Not it enough. is not enough. <laughs> it's not enough. So I thought, well, this is such an interesting... I mean, you know, we joke about it. It's terrible. But it's also kind of interesting. Who who are the people that really understand the smell landscape of this city? And I thought, okay, I, I'm going to devote a little bit of time to figuring out what they know about our city. So they gave me thousands of their data points on a map and allowed, let me kind of go through it to see where the stinkiest place in the city is. So we got it down to the top five. Are you ready for the list? I, I'm ready and I'm impressed that you would uh, number crunch the stinkiest places in, in Metro Vancouver, but it, I, I, let's hear it. It's a curse. It's a curse. Okay. <laughs> so coming in at number five, with 46 complaints in the year we looked at this, was the Burnaby Mountain Oil Refinery, described by its nearby residents as acrid. That was the word that stuck out. Coming in at number four, in East Vancouver, West Coast Reduction, 91 complaints in that time, described as rotting fish. Which it probably was. Uh, yeah, they, I believe they, yeah, they follow the crows. Yeah. yeah, and coming in number two, uh, three with 92 complaints, the EnviroSmart compost facility, described as rancid butter. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, coming in at number two, 163 complaints, the border uh, cattle feedlot near the border. Poop. Uh, steer poop, presumably? I Yeah, steer clear. 
<laughs> John, <laughs> you know, working next to this guy with the puns. I just... Okay, no, carry on. It's a curse. So uh, that was 163, number two. But number one, far and away, blew the competition out of the water with uh, uh, more than 20 times the, the numbers of complaints. It was Harvest Power in Richmond. That's a compost facility. 3,408 complaints. Um, and what I liked most about this is it very much depended, the a- adjectives very much depended on who you asked. If you asked... Uh, the people nearby, they said it smells disgusting, like it's being hit in the face with a sock, a, a gym sock, I mean. I was going to say, <laughs> some socks smell nice, it was fresh out of the dryer. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. This is a gym sock. And then, oh, I love this, I, I interviewed someone from Harvest Power, and I said, what, did, what kind of smell is it to you? And he said, it's a rich smell. <laughs> it's a composting <laughs> smell. So did you know you can spin smells? That's one of the things I learned about this. How did we not uh, bring that up on our Spin Doctor episode of the podcast? That's, that's a great question. We, we should have brought that up. I'm yeah. regretting it now. These guys are masters. So I asked them why it smelled so bad. Because if you look at the map, and we have that still on our website, the whole city of Richmond is just blanket in, in nose complaints. Noise, nose smell complaints, <laughs> excuse me. And, uh, and he said, look, and he just honestly looked me right in the eye, and he said, look, we just got backed up. Apparently they had taken too much compost and they didn't know what to do with it and it just it it rotted and it and it caused backed up backed up literally the the facility got backed up well i just want to say that that story and i remember it vividly that was a really great way of um describing something that we can't see on television which is smells but explaining to people the intensity in a visual way because that's how else are we going to explain that to somebody on television yeah, uh, you, we had a couple tricks, I guess. We saw the wind kind of flowing away from it. But, and, and following the animals, they, they are really very sensitive noses, so we were able to kind of show it that way. But, but yeah, I, I just thought this was a, a neat way of doing it. And one of, the, one of the good things that came out of it is that Harvest Power said, we recognize that we are causing a, a stink in the community here, and we're going to do something about it. And so they promised that they would not be number one next year. And uh, it's probably, it's got a month or two to go before I can going to get the data and check out, see whether they follow through. Looking forward to the follow-up. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Peter Bramner, uh, shooter extraordinaire, thank you for being on the pod. Hey, thanks for having me. It's my first time. I'm very excited. I'm excited to have you on too, although I'm not so excited to hear about this story at a sewage treatment plant on Anasis Island. This sounds horrendous. It was, uh, it was a nasty place. It's, it's really all you can call it um i get sent there with john wilbur to to do a story on the sewage treatment plant and it's one of these places we don't get to very often it's behind closed doors so when we go into these places we shoot everything we can and we save it for our archives which means you're there way longer than you need to be now the sewage treatment plant itself it smells bad but it's not horrible i mean people drive over the alex fraser bridge they catch a whiff of the place it's tolerable it's it comes and goes yeah it does so now, they, they let us in gently. You get there, you're smelling everything, but you're acclimatizing to it, and it's not super horrible. We started at, at what would be the back end of their facility, where everything's actually been turned into like a nice, rich soil, and the water's been treated and, and let back out into the river. Uh, and then we proceeded our day through. We're walking on bridges over these fetid pools of, of swirling sludge. It's, it's just trying to break up the bacteria, are working to try and break down everything. And, but you're out in the open air, so it's, it's okay. And as you progress further into your day, the, you're getting to the, 
the stinkier bits. You're getting to the pools that aren't as broken down, that don't have as much water in them. You see all the skimmings on top. You, this is the place where everything you've ever wanted to get rid of in a hurry goes. It's where your toilet flushes to. It's where your sink drains to. It's where all the storm drains in the city go. So on top of these pools, you're just seeing used Q-tips and Band-Aids and the labels off produce. and Let's leave it at that for now. <laughs> you're seeing terrible things. Is this as descriptive as you want me to get? Because it's, it's going to get worse. As, we, as our day went on, the other thing you got to remember is we've been at this for a couple hours now. You're outside. You're carrying around a bunch of gear. You're in the sun. You're starting to get fatigued. Um, but the last stop on our tour had to be the best. Uh, we approached a building, and the first thing I noticed with this building was a big warning sign saying everyone who enters here needs to wear a personal gas monitor, which we didn't have, but we went in anyway. The shock of, of the stench of this place was horrendous. This is the intake room. This is where everything you flushed comes into to be sorted. There's a raging river of effluent under your feet. There's a grate, and you can just see all this raw sewage, and particularly condensed raw sewage, flowing in a very fast pace. The smell is in the air. It's in your hair. It, it stings your nostrils. It, you can taste it despite keeping your mouth closed. Uh, it's hard to breathe. Uh, we go to fire scenes all the time, and you, you can smell, you breathe in the smoke. You're breathing in the stink here, and it is a veritable force. Uh, so we're in this room. I'm trying to shoot as much as I can, as quickly as possible. And there's one piece of machinery in this room, and we climb the steps to get to the top of it to watch it in action. And it is literally a giant comb that is sifting through all the solid matter to help break it up. And, I mean, there's toilet paper hanging off this thing. All the tools in the place are just encrusted in excrement. How long did you stay in there? I think we were in there for about five minutes, six minutes. And it was, I I remember, and I never get lightheaded or anything, but I remember particularly like, I'm starting to get lightheaded. And this is, I've never actually experienced that. I'm like, I think I need to get out of here. And we get outside and it was a relief to breathe the slightly fresher air at the sewage treatment plant, just to be out of that room. That sounds like an assignment that very few people would have been able to carry out. I have a really sensitive sense of smell. I don't think I would have been able to go there at all. It's, uh, no, I mean, we, you get used to it a little bit when you're in the open air, but to be in an enclosed space with that much raw sewage and, and uh, machinery, and, and there's probably even some diesel smell in there, but you didn't really notice <laughs> it. It's one of those ones you just have to keep your head down, get your shots, and get out. Thank you so much for being on BTS. Thank you for having me. I also want to thank Ali, Nafisa, Julie, John, and Ben for sharing their stories that offended their olfactory senses while in the field. I also want to thank Adam Lee for his support with Archival Audio. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daphos. Daphos.